The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The ghost of a little girl haunts the creepiest location. And then we take a look at a lake monster that destroyed the town built next to it and brutally savaged the farmlands around it until it finally met its match. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. We've got a lot to cover today, so we're going to go ahead and jump in here right now. So, I actually got an email recently from a listener named Austin, and we talked about a couple things via email, but one of the things that he said was, why aren't there any, he actually had two points, why aren't there any uh, ghost cavemen, why don't we see any ghost cavemen? And why aren't there a lot of haunted office buildings and department stores and things like that? Now, I'll get into the caveman thing in another episode, but there are, a, you know, it's funny because I said the Walmart and Hood River is haunted. There's actually a ghost, apparently, in the hardware department, which is funny because it used to be the fabrics and crafts department, and then they did a remodel of the store, so the fabrics and crafts department got shortened, got made smaller, and the hardware department is now where most of Fabrics and Crafts were. And since they did the remodel, employees don't like being over there by themselves late at night. Stuff will get knocked over. They say cans fall off the shelf. I I don't know if there's any video proof of any of this. I've just heard it from the workers there. Stuff gets knocked off the shelf. Signs will get knocked over. You feel creeped out while you're standing over there. And my theory, and I shared this with Austin, my theory is, is that there may have been a ghost of an old lady whose favorite thing in the world was Fabrics and Crafts. Because it is kind of art. It's not my thing. I don't like that type of stuff. But, you know, a lot of a lot of people do. And so she was really into it. And her ghost was like, I want to spend eternity looking through all the fabrics and kind of watching the young girls and their moms pick out scrapbooking supplies and go, man, their life's boring. But once they remodeled it to the hardware, imagine being the ghost of a little old lady stuck around carburetors and power tool sets. And since then, stuff's getting knocked over. That's always been my theory. Now, again, it could just be a bunch of workers are paranoid, or they just don't want to work over there, and they go, no, no, there's a ghost over there, I don't want to work over there tonight. Put me in the video game section. But there is another, I found another Walmart ghost. Now, I've stumbled across this website, I've used them a couple times before, but they've really started to lose their credibility recently, and we'll cover that in an upcoming episode, but there's a website called Backpackerverse, and they do these stories about ghosts, and they're just so, so poorly sourced, they're hilarious. But this one... There might be something to it. I don't know. This one is in Oxnard, California. Apparently, there's a Walmart there in Oxnard, California. And you're walking through the Walmart. You're there to buy your video games and your laundry detergent and some new pants and a picture frame. That's the best thing about Walmart. You can pretty much buy everything there. But for some reason, you go to the toy aisle. Maybe you're there to pick up the latest My Little Pony toys. Is that still even a thing? Are there still, like, bronies and stuff like that? I... It's been so long. It seemed like such a fat. I don't even know if the show's still on. But anyways, you know the show's still on, and you're there to buy the latest Rainbow Dash toy. They got a new one. It talks. So 
you're walking down the aisle and you see a little girl standing in the little girl toy aisle. And you're thinking, that's typical. I don't even know why I registered that. There's a bunch of little girls here. And me buying my little pony toys. But this little girl, she's just standing there. La, 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 la. And you're like, oh, that's weird. Girls don't normally sing to themselves. Or if they do, it's like Taylor Swift or something. And then she turns to you very slowly and dramatically. Maybe she flickers a bit, like the rain. I don't know if she does that. But anyways, this little girl turns. I'm just trying to make it creepier. This little girl turns to you. She looks at you and her eyes. She stares at you with milky white eyeballs. Looks right at you. And that's when you notice she's covered in blood. She smiles. And right when she smiles, right when you register, there's this bloody little girl in front of you with milky white eyes. She vanishes. Now, if that happened to me, the first thing I would do was to make sure that I wasn't on any sort of drugs. I'd be like, did I take acid today? No, no, I didn't take shrooms. I would run a mental check, see if I took any drugs. And I don't, but I would still have to wonder, like, maybe someone slipped me something. And then I would go to security and go, hey, listen, guys. I don't know you and you don't know me, but you can either make fun of me or we can make a million dollars. Let's watch this video and see if there's a little girl in this aisle. And if there's nothing, make fun of me. But if there is something, we can, you know, sell it to whoever buys this sort of nonsense. We sell it to the sci-fi channel. So apparently a lot of people have seen this little bloody girl in this toy aisle in Oxnard, California. There is a quote in, in a unsourced quote in this article about a woman who saw this thing. This is the direct quote. The first time I saw her, I just about died and went up to Jesus. Now, on the one hand, immediately when I read that quote, I go, a black woman said that. And you could go, that's racist. But I don't think it's racist because I don't think this quote's real. So I think the person who made up this quote is racist. Does that make sense? She, they might as well just put, Lottie, Lottie, Lottie. When I first saw her, I thought I went, died and went up to Jesus. Like, that is, come on. If you're going to make up a quote, don't make up a stereotypical quote. I don't think this person existed. I don't see why they wouldn't put their name in this thing. The whole article is poorly sourced. But I want to believe. Not that the writer can make up racist quotes. I don't want to believe that. But... You know, I want to believe in little ghost girls, or just ghosts in general. I think it would be interesting if you actually had proof of this, if you had a place that you could go to where you will see a ghost multiple times. Now, again, supposedly this girl's always hanging out here, so I don't know why it's not being swarmed by ghost hunters, because it happens so regularly. This quote here, the first time I saw her, I just about died and went up to heaven. That means she saw her multiple times, but again, the person's not, there's no proof or anything like that. And to top it all off, because it's 2019, sometimes this little girl is spotted in the boy's toy aisle. So she's progressive. You don't tell her where to go. Sometimes she wants to play with Barbies. Sometimes she wants to play with G.I. Joes, if they still make those, I don't know. Sometimes she wants to play with Barbies. Sometimes she wants to play with the Avengers. But then you see her just handling the Black Widow doll, and you're like, that's what I figured. She's not as progressive as you thought. But that is the story of the bloody ghost girl from... The actual name of the article was The Bloody Ghoul of Walmart. I expected a little bit more than a girl covered in blood. I don't know. That actually sounded quite grim. I mean, it's... Oh, and the theory is is that she was a Hispanic girl who was killed before the Walmart was built. But again, there's no proof of any of this at all. Backpackerverse comes out with these articles that basically are almost 100% fiction, and they get suckers like me to click on them, and then read them, 
and then go, well, I want it to be true, but it probably isn't. And you guys are racist for... If you're going to make up a quote, don't make up a quote like that. Just be like, hey, you know, the first time I saw him, I was like, oh no, a bloody ghost. Not, I just about died and went off to Jesus. Why would you quote, why would you make up that quote? Although maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the fact is, why would someone make up that quote proves that the quote is real. I don't know. If you live in Oxnard, California, go to that Walmart. Check my, here. There's a history of Backpackerverse websites where they'll have this article and then the comments will be like, that place isn't haunted. I've been there a hundred times. It's not haunted. They get facts wrong all the time. So again, I'm thinking... They made up a racist black quote to to add some color, no pun intended, to this made-up article about a bloody Hispanic girl who plays with girl and boy toys. It's very, very diverse, very diverse hoax, Backpacker Universe. But let's go ahead and move on to our next story. We're going to modern-day Palmdale, California. It's near Arizona, but it's in California. It's a little, It's a little region. It's a little geographical spot on Earth. And specifically, in Palmdale, there is a place known as Elizabeth Lake. Not Lake Elizabeth, Elizabeth Lake. And we'll get to that, maybe. That's part of the story is dumb. But anyways, it's called Elizabeth Lake. But before it was known as Elizabeth Lake, it had a more evocative name. In the year 1780, there was a Spanish explorer slash priest named Junipero Serra. Now... He's an explorer slash priest. Here's a little tip from a D&D player, old D&D player, I haven't played in a while, but never split your class because then you can never specialize. You never get the good stuff. He should have just been an explorer or a priest. But if he was a priest, he probably never would have found this place, but he would be able to fight the undead much more effectively. He comes across this beautiful, beautiful lake and the natives in the area tell him, yeah, it looks really sweet here. And it would be a nice place to raise cattle. And the priest is like, yeah, I was thinking that too. I was thinking about splitting my class again and being a rancher. And they're like, yeah, don't do that. Don't do triple classes. Come on. Even we know that. And we've never even seen a 20-sided die. But it seems like a beautiful place to raise cows and stuff like that. But there's a monster in the water. The priest is like, what? Uh, okay. You know, I, I, back then, there were monsters everywhere. There, you, you, actually, he probably didn't say what. He probably didn't even write down his notebook. He's like, ah, another monster. There's monsters everywhere. But it was then named Laguna del Diablo, which basically is the Devil's Lake. Now you would think, and then he just scurried on and went on to his next adventure. So he named it Laguna del Diablo. Now, like most places called the Devil's Lake, people were still like, ah, yeah, it's probably just a legend. So they started finding this beautiful lake, and they're like, this is a perfect place to raise cows. Right, natives? And the natives are all gone at this point. They've all basically been run off the land. So no one was there to tell them, hey, no, 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 there's a monster here. And so settlers, though, now there's just a bunch of settlers moving through the area. Even though they had no natives there to warn them of the legends, they would start to see stuff in the water. Sometimes it was just a glimpse. A head poking out of the water. A noise at night. A spooky noise at night, not just any noise. And they would be like, that's kind of creepy. Let's move on. Let's leave this place. That was kind of spooky. And they're like, really? You just saw a log bobbing in the water? You're going to leave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was more than just a log. And over the years, the description of this creature kept getting added to. Now, this is one of those things, like, we've seen, like, Loch Ness monster type beasts. We haven't seen them, but we've heard of, like, Loch Ness monster type beasts. They're basically, like, those swimming brontosaurus creatures. What are they, plastiosaurs or something like that with the paddles instead of the feet? 
which seems sucky. I'd rather, much rather have feet. But anyways, it's always like this. Not this one. Not this one. Because I wouldn't waste your time with just a sea monster story. This creature. Check this out. This is what I was like. This thing is either the most badass thing that's ever walked the earth or 100% fake. And we'll get into that in a bit. A massive creature. 50 feet long. So right there, you're like, boom. Dinosaur sizes. Massive creature, 50 foot long. Huge wings of a bat. I bet you didn't expect a flying lake monster, dude. The neck of a giraffe. That's pretty standard for these type of creatures. That kind of puts it into that brontosaurus character. Head of a bulldog. Just a flattened little mug head. What is it? Not a mug. A little pug head attached to the neck of a giraffe all swinging around. Six legs. It's pretty dope. Uh, look at that Loch Ness Monster's getting jealous right now. Bat wings, you got six legs. And I don't know if this is a benefit or a con, a pro or a con. Horrible, horrible stench when it goes flying. So you could say, Jason, that's obviously a con. Who wants to be stinky? But it's a perfect weapon. Especially if you're living alone. If you live by yourself, if you're a monster all by yourself, why not stink as bad as you can? Because then you don't ever have to worry about anyone. I wonder how bad Shrek smelled. It's always the funny thing when you watch movies. They can really give us pretty much any sensation but smell. And touch. But touch, you can kind of like look at something and go, oh, that's quite spiky. Or that looks soft. That looks super cuddly. But... With just like, I wonder how Shrek had to smell like human waste that was sitting in the sun. Every character should have been like, oh, God. He bathed in dirt. So you wonder, like, yeah, in all of these movies, all these cuddly monsters. Monster Squad. That must have been the smelliest weekend for those kids ever. They're fighting decaying flesh and all sorts of horrible things. Gross werewolves. You can't really replicate smell. Zombie movies would smell absolutely terrible. Like, you're like, Jason, that's a bit of an... But imagine, like, Dawn of the Dead when they're on the roof of that mall, the remake, which was my favorite. Just the smell of armies of the dead, all that rot. Plus, all the flies. There would be flies and maggots everywhere. Movies can never really capture smell. But anyway, so imagine this guy smelling like Dawn of the Dead meets Shrek when he's flying around. So people would show up. They would catch glimpses of the monster. They would leave. And again, there was no one ever really there to tell them, hey, don't go here, there's a big old monster. In 1830, there was a guy named Don Pedro Carrillo. And he goes, oh, this is a perfect place to raise cattle, because it really was a perfect place to raise cattle. So he puts up all of his cattle, and he's there for a bit of time. But then one day, his ranch is completely burned down. Every building's completely torched. And he leaves. Now, it doesn't really say how often he sighted the monster, but apparently he thought that's what was going on. In the 1850s, there was various American settlers coming to the area. And the American settlers eventually set up a town on the banks of the Devil's Lake. They were probably hoping to call it something a little better, and we'll, again, we'll get to that stupid story. But anyways, it was called the Devil's Lake. They set up this town... But what happened was at night they would hear screaming. They'd hear a lot of screaming in the forest. Not like sexy, sexy screaming coming from the brothel. That actually sounded really bad. uh, Screams of passion is what I meant. Not screams of human enslavement. But like sexy, sexy screaming. They would hear unnatural voices. 
So who knows what that could be? That could be a guy who sounds like he's underwater going blah, blah, blah. Or it could just be some some foreigner speaking in another language, and they're like, uh-oh, that guy's not from around here. Let's move. And they would also experience terrible visions, terrible psychic visions. So I think at this point you're realizing this is something more than just a lake monster. Now, I have my theory, but before we get to my theory, the, the settlers moving away. And at this point, there was a guy who came into town called Don Chico Lopez. And he's like, I'm going to set up a huge ranch. I see that there's abandoned town here. I see that there's a bunch of like burnt out buildings over there. I don't know what happened. I don't care. I'm going to set up a big old ranch. He sets up a big old ranch. And for a couple months, he had no problem at all. Now, one of the issues was is that whenever someone new would come to the area, the previous occupants were already gone. By the time the American settlers got there, the um, ranch that was set up that got burned down, that dude was gone. By the time that guy got there, all the natives were gone. So people just kind of stuck, kept stumbling across ruins of previous settlements and going, this is a perfect place to raise our cattle. We're all alone. And they weren't wondering why there were abandoned buildings on the edge of this lake. But when Don Chico Lopez came in, he didn't really care. He set up this massive ranch, and for a couple months, absolutely no problems. But what happened was he started having cattle disappear at night. Like, not like he comes out and there's, like, a dead cow. The cow's gone. And it's happening so commonly that he starts to put two and two together and thinks, something's stealing my cattle. So one night, him and his ranch hands stay up, and they see this creature come up out of the lake and begin to descend on the cattle. Basically, like a raptor, a bird of prey would fly out of the river, grab cows, and take them back underwater. They're shooting it. All him and all of his ranch hands are opening fire with these old-timey rifles. Bullets are straight bouncing off this dude. He's like smog, but he has no weak point. Bullets just... He's flying down just eating cows. And he did that all the time. He just kept coming because he knew they couldn't stop him. Eventually, Don Chico Lopez has to leave. He's just simply losing too much cattle. But at this point... We got a new character show up into the story. Now, the people who have heard me my Christmas episode, I talked about that I'm Basque. My ethnicity is Basque. There's only like two million of us left on the planet. So whenever there is a Basque person shows up in a story, I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go, baby. Here we go. A little bit of that ethnic pride, my friends. Basque farmer. There's this Basque farmer named Miguel Leonis. Descendant, direct descendant of Leonidas and... Future ancestor of Optimus Prime. Yes, we are born from heroes. Anyways, Miguel Leonis comes to town. Apparently, historically, he was a total jerk. Uh, He was actually considered like a dictator. He owned huge swaths of land in California. And he didn't treat people that well. And since he owned a bunch of land, squatters would come and live on his land. And he would send armed armed guards to go and beat up these, these, these settlers. They're like, no, we're just sitting, we just sat down underneath the rock. So not the most, not the the nicest man in the world, but he was just getting his job done. He was doing what he needed to do. So he goes, he's like, I'm building it. It's almost like he knew there was a, a, a monster here because he came prepared. So he's there, he sets up a huge cattle ranch, pretty much the same size as Don Chico Lopez's. Miguel sets up this massive cattle ranch. And the same thing starts happening almost immediately. This, this giant monster is coming out of the water, begins eating his cows. And he's like, I'm not leaving. Not only am I not leaving, let's set up an ambush. 
The people are like, what? People who heard him as farmer are like, what are you talking about? It's a 50-foot-tall flying monster with six legs and bat wings. You, you want to set up an ambush? And he's like, did I stutter? Get your guns. We're setting up an ambush. Now, the other people don't want to do this, right? And so, anyways, one night, the creature comes out to just get a little snack. Now the creature is the good guy, basically, in this story because of what's about to happen. This creature is just doing what it does. It eats cows. That's what it does. I don't know what it was eating before it, people showed up when there were no cows. But anyways, it's eating these tasty, tasty cows, breaking them open, drinking their delicious milk, eating some meat. So one night, the creature does come, and it's the same effect. Everyone's unloading their guns on this creature, and the bullets are just bouncing off of it. Well, eventually, the, the creature doesn't care. It lands to go eat a cow. Miguel, this badass rancher, runs up to the creature and takes his gun and smashes it in the nose with the butt of his rifle. Oh, my nose! I'm just trying to do what I do! But Miguel didn't care. Miguel beats up squatters. Miguel beats up humans down on their luck. He doesn't care that this creature is only following instinct. As the creature's rubbing his nose, he climbs... We'll get into whether or not this story's true in a second, but this is the legend. And relatively recently, again, this was like in the 1860s this happened. As the creature's rubbing its nose, Miguel runs up and punches it in the eyeball. This bulletproof monster that's been plaguing people for over 100 years, Miguel punches it in the eyeball and then releases the worst stench possible, like worse than normal as a defensive measure, and they watch it fly into Arizona. Now, again, I know that Palmdale's close to Arizona, but I don't know if they could just be like, yep, he's left the state, flew away. Now, there's been a connection between that creature and a couple years later, another creature was killed in Arizona. And they say that was the Thunderbird, the famed Thunderbird photo of the five guys standing in front of the dead uh, pterodactyl corpse, which is a fake photo. A lot of people keep saying that it's real, but it's fake. The first time it was ever really seen was on that show, Erie, Indiana. It was like viral marketing for Erie, Indiana. And it's fake. But anyways, they're saying that that creature may have been the pterodactyl killed in that photo, but it doesn't even match. The ter- it's 50 feet long. It didn't, you know, the pterodactyl photo didn't have the giant neck or the six legs or anything like that. But that's the legend of Devil's Lake. And at this point now, it's called Elizabeth Lake. The reason after that whole amazing backstory, the reason why they changed the name to Elizabeth Lake, because like in the 1920s, some ditzy chick named Elizabeth was walking by the lake. It was so funny when I was reading this, they're like, later on, decades later, there was a young pioneer named Elizabeth who was walking by the lake with two pails of water. And I was like, oh, dude, is this like a, is this like an epilogue where she mysteriously disappears like the creature came back? And then it's like, she was carrying these two pails of water. And she slipped and fell in the lake in front of a bunch of tourists. They began teasing her and calling it Elizabeth's Lake because she slipped in it. Everyone thought it was funny. So the name is now, I'm like, are you kidding me? You go from Devil's Lake, you come from this amazing story with the sea monster, to some girl slips in it and a bunch of toonies, a bunch of outsiders see it and they start calling it, hey look it, that's Elizabeth's Lake. That's lame. Call it Laguna del Diablo. Way better name. But here's the thing. Is the story true? It, there, there's elements of it that are true. There, There is a true part of the story where people would set up ranches there and their cattle would be eaten. You could not raise, even though it was perfect grazing land, great water supply, you couldn't have a ranch there. Now, I found this out on the Wikipedia page and it was mentioned nowhere in any of the articles about the sea monster. This area especially back around the time of the 1850s, 1830s, had a massive bear population. It was 
it was infested with grizzly bears. So they think that, in the Wikipedia article, they never mention the sea monster. They just say there was a huge bear population which made ranching almost impossible in the area in the early, in the mid-1800s. That is most likely what happened. That there was just a bunch of bears running around and no one could get anything done. And that's why people would stumble across settlements and be like, that's weird, why is this town here? And there's nobody here. And there's like bears in the poker parlor. There's bears in the brothel, like banging other sexy bears. Bears that are all curvy, like, oh. That's where the Charmin bear met his wife, actually, was in the brothel. So... That is the most likely scenario. And you wonder, well, then why were people making up these stories about a giant sea monster? There may have been something in the water, but it having all of those, like, wings and the six legs and stuff like that, that sounds super imaginative. There may have been something in the water people couldn't understand. It could have just been a floating log people saw every once in a while. That plus massive bears coming into out of the woods every night and eating everything. They could have had the legend mixed up. Plus, also, the unnatural voices could have been just bears. The sound of bears. The visions in your head could have been the vision of you seeing bears climbing through your window. A ton of bears. They were everywhere. You'd go to the bathroom, a bear would pop out of your toilet like the ghoulies. So, as much as I like to think that a Basque guy beat up the Loch Ness Monster... I mean, maybe he wrestled a couple of bears, I'll give him that, but most likely there wasn't a sea monster. But I always think it's interesting when we can look at these legends and watch how they evolve and then find an actual real-world component. Because really, the, the mystery is, what's happening to all these cows? And the logical answer is, well, it's the bear that recently ran for mayor and won because all the other bears in town voted for him. And you're like, oh yeah, that makes more sense than the giant monster. But I, I think it's interesting because we get to see the real world, like we see these real world events and then the myths that are created to kind of hype everything up. Because at the end of the day, people just come, kept coming to an area and go, what happened to this town? I'm just going to build something here and see if something happens to me. Makes you wonder about stuff with the Bermuda Triangle as well, where there's natural events, but then people have made up this whole mystical thing to it. Also, I do believe this. I've been doing a little bit of research on this. Bigfoot had, and I'm not the only one to do this. I'm not going to take sole credit for this. I've read this in other places as well, but Bigfoot's associated with a terribly strong scent. This creature's associated with a terrible strong scent. Demons are associated with the smell of like sulfur, terribly strong scents. There's a theory going on in kind of the scientific community that kind of borders on the paranormal community that these visions are caused by natural gas releases and basically you're smelling the smell of a gas like a uh, a gaseous element, a chemical element, and then you're hallucinating these things. So that could definitely be it too. A lot of these creatures are always associated with bad smells, Bigfoot in particular, and the theory is is that you're walking upon some sort of gas release, some sort of natural gas release, and you're getting so much into you, you're basically hallucinating this, and you go, I smelled a horrible smell, I turned around, Bigfoot was behind me, you're hallucinating. And that'd be the same thing with demons, That'd be the same thing with this creature. There may have been some sort of chemical leak in the area, some sort of gaseous leak in the area that was giving people visions, was making people associate the smell with the monster, and they weren't really paying attention to the bears that were actually doing the property damage. So kind of an interesting link to that too. But maybe all the theories are wrong. Maybe there really was this creature. You know, it's interesting because all of this stuff would have happened back when the frontier was new. All of these stories that we hear about these monsters come from a time when people from the West were really first 
planting their flag in these areas. The natives said, despite all of my stories about the scent or the bears, the natives in the area had said, yes, there is a monster in there. Besides the fact that it almost seems like a biological impossibility to have a creature like this. Could it have been something unexplained? Something truly monstrous living in that lake? Unlike the Loch Ness Monster, which supposedly lived for hundreds of years and you could still go over there and maybe catch a glimpse of it, a true monster would only exist in one place at one time. And that's what makes it a monster. That's what makes it so fierce and frightening. I think this idea of Bigfoot having a tribe and having a family and stuff like that actually just turns it into a monkey that lives in a place they normally don't live. When you try to add some sort of biological necessity to it, that makes it biologically or scientifically possible. That doesn't make it a monster. I'm not afraid of Bigfoot. Because again, that's just a gorilla that may be a little bit smarter in an area gorillas don't normally live. But a six-legged lake monster with bat wings is truly something out of the realm of nightmares. To us in the modern world, it may seem like a quaint story of settlers trying to figure out why their cows are disappearing. But back then, it would have been an insurmountable obstacle. We look at it through the lens of modern times and go, just a fable, just an explanation. If this monster existed, the question isn't, where did it go? The question really is, where did it come from? And, could another one show up today? A bulletproof flying creature, appearing in modern times, would be a marvel and a disaster. Because it would prove to us that these things really do exist. And if they exist... What can't exist? If another creature like this showed up, even if it was dispatched very, very quickly by another strong Basque man slash podcast host, never split your class, but punching it in the eye during a live stream, it wouldn't matter. Because once we know that the stuff of nightmares is real, all bets are off. If the sea monster can exist, so can the monster under your bed. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one.